Annie Weaver's read every story I've ever published. She's usually the last person to read the story before I send it off to a journal. And if you listen to the podcast all the way to the end, you've definitely heard her name. Not only did she read Pal before it was published, she's read versions of the screenplay adaptation. She also helped me cast the episode, so Annie is a Pal expert. I spoke with her this week to get her take on the story. So here is bonus episode number three, my conversation with Annie Weaver. Do I love the recorded version, the podcast? It is so well done. I really, really like the actors. I spoke a couple of days ago to um, Hannah, who plays Kid, and you know she's she's a full grown adult woman, NYU grad, SAG actor, and it's it's interesting putting that face with the voice that you hear. We talked about her voice and how it was a a point of of embarrassment and shame for her for a very long time. And then she, she, so she auditioned for Pal and got the role. And she said that that gave her the confidence to audition for other voiceover roles. And now she's voicing um, a character in, in a, in a major motion picture. Really? Yeah. That's wonderful. I'm not surprised. Her voice is so real. It just, and it conveys... Every emotion that Selena must surely be feeling because she's 12, but she's also 100. Selena, I mean, she's so adult, which the story, one of my favorite things about the story, and this is unusual in modern literature, there are no bad guys. Nobody in the story is a bad person. And yet, as I think the phrase became popular in the 70s, maybe bad things happen to good people. And obviously, Pal was a good man before the accident. Because he moved in and took over the role as father. And then... She lost her biological father and her biological mother because she walked off and left. And and what a sad situation for a 12-year-old to be in. And it's kind of a, you read stories all the time about 12-year-olds whose parents walk off and leave them and they take care of the children. And the taking care of is just like a child. Only it's so complicated because this is the person who used to take care of her. And how you do a wonderful job, and I don't know if this is conscious or unconscious, of dealing with unconditional love. I mean, Selena has absolute unconditional love for Pal. And will do whatever it takes. And I, you, I wondered throughout the story, 
if Powell's sense of humor was the same before the accident. Some of his thinking is the same because he keeps saying, no fear, no fear. And he said that before the accident. I I see Pal as having been a fairly simple man, um, direct, uh, simple needs, um, and when I say simple, I don't mean stupid or anything like that. I just mean, you know, he's just, he's, he doesn't need a lot. And he, you know, has the sense of humor of, you know, a teenage boy. Um, he, he likes motorcycles and playing with toys and <laughs> cutting up. And he thinks bodily functions are funny in a way. Which intrigues me about myself. I think I figured this out a few years ago. Um, When I was teaching and kids said bodily function words, I would scream and wave my arms and make them stop. And they were not, kids are worldly, but they're not sophisticated in this way. I couldn't explain to them that when it's bodily functions in real life, if someone is ill, if someone is taking care of somebody, if I'm taking care of somebody, that's just life. I don't like the crude part. And so when I was reading this and there were all the bodily functions, but he wasn't crude. He was, and she was, whenever he yelled pee, she was like, It made her laugh, too, because she's 12. You know, and it it was a cue as to what she had to do. And and his youthfulness, like you said, he's a big kid. He loves motorcycles, riding around. I bet he was a great parent figure. Um, And the scene with the little boy that came to visit... He yeah. wasn't a bad guy either. He couldn't handle all that. It was too much. Yeah. So, and yeah. I like the ending because no, it isn't a happy ending. But they could not have continued. And I, because I love to think what will happen to these characters after the story ends. I think they will both be happier. I I think so. Um I don't know happier necessarily. I but I think that one of the you know, I can I write a story and I have in my head what people sound like how the you know the 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 tone, the the pacing, all of these things they're they're in my head. And so then I cast this and I hear these interpretations that are not the characters in my head. And when uh, the the actor who plays Linda Sears, um, Julie Garlot, when she speaks, there's just something in her voice that just says, 
this actually is going to be okay. I'm going to make sure that you, you are taken care of. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes social workers are portrayed as exhausted. Let's get this over with. Listen, girl, this is going to be fine. He's going to be fine, but we just have to go now. And you don't sense that from her. You sense a compassion and a kindness. Right. And then, and I, I said Julie, her name's Julia. Julia. And a but, safety. She feels safe. Like, no, Selena doesn't know, doesn't want this to happen. But it has to, and somewhere inside her, there has to be an unacknowledged sort of relief that hopefully when she sees Pal and they have figured out not to give him tomato soup and what causes rashes, it will alleviate his guilt and it will give her the opportunity to have a childhood. Mm-hmm. Well, she, you know, yes, but she is still going to end up in the foster care system which could go a million different directions. Don't you know that reading that story, I never thought about her physical consequences of all this. I thought about her emotional consequences, but not the fact she would end up in foster care, which we all know from the stories people tell. Well, from teaching. Teaching. I, when I was teaching, I thought I knew what was going on at home. And then when I was working as academic dean and I began to work with the attendance people who went into the homes and told me stories... I kept thinking, I don't know if I had known how bad things really were, if I could have held kids to high standards, because my thinking in the classroom was the only way to get you out of where you are is to educate you. And like I said, I thought I knew things were bad, but there are kids doing what Selena's doing and have much worse circumstances. So I think I was just thinking about, I was imagining her going to visit Pal and they already have a secret language and she could tell him about school. And, but I did not think about what was going to happen to her. That sort of changes the ending of the story. Well, I mean, that's what happens when you read something and you discuss it. That's the yeah. point of discussing it. What did I miss? What am I focusing on that I didn't think about something else? You know, in, in the extended uh, version of this and the screenplay that I've been working on, you know, we, we get to see immediately what happens afterwards. Um, but I think that that one ultimately does have a a satisfying ending for everyone that, you know, that they end up where they need to be. Um, 
And, you know, hearing um, Sarah McGuire's narrator in this and the tone of her voice throughout, um, especially at, at the end, there's, there's a level of resignation, but it's, it's, it is clearly a memory of the worst day of her life. Oh, yes. And because it's in, and maybe this is part of where I got it, because she is, it is written in past tense, and we know she's looking back on it, and she isn't angry, she isn't crying, she survived, Mm -hmm. and she doesn't, yeah, and if this is the worst day of her life, maybe I just thought, well, whatever happens next what well, wouldn't be that bad right also i'm probably thinking about the screenplay it it's been very difficult as i mentioned earlier to separate the two in my mind and in the um in the screenplay it does end with me, what I'm seeing in my head was how the screenplay ends. The future where things are okay. Hmm. I wonder if that reading that was like changed what I thought about the story originally. It's been a long time. And because I've read the screenplay recently, the story stands on its own. And in modern American literature, we rarely know what happens after the worst day of the life of the narrator. Now I'll be thinking about the end of the story all day because I, I really was focused on the unconditional love and how when people start reading this story in modern context, I think think I'm I'm afraid when I read it that they will assume there was some sort of um bad or wrong kind of sexual relationship mm. and that Selena is trapped and one of the things I love about the story is no she just it's like taking care of your father yeah it's it's it is one of the more innocent stories that I've written there's a couple that are just innocent uh, Papa is another one that's innocent. As human beings, we need stories that have innocence because there is innocence in the world and we tend to forget that and think that no 12-year-old would, by choice, be taking care of someone she didn't have to. Mm. Well, and and of course that begs the question, does she realize that she has a choice? I mean, you know, kids, kids have to do things. I mean, they, they're most of their lives. It's being told, do this, do this, do this. And so the idea of options of choices, I don't know. It's fairly limited. I mean, and, and so, when you have a kid who, I don't know who, however old she was, 10 when her mom left, you know, it's just like, well, that's okay. Mom's gone. This is what we do. I, I don't know that she would have necessarily known 
that she had an option to like go say, hey, listen, I need help with raising my stepdad. In fear of telling someone because I would like to think she could have told a teacher, right. a guidance counselor, but fear uh, of losing pal. It may have stopped her, too. And you're right. If that's what you've always been doing and someone disappears, you just keep doing it. Yeah. This is an, an audio medium. And so... You know, there, there are elements um, that we're not seeing. And one of the, you, you know, we brought up the screenplay. And one of the things that the, the, the screenplay opens with these images of their kitchen table. And there's like Pal's disability check and, or social security check, you know, and, um, and, a, and a, um, an EBT card. And, it really begs the question, like, is is she having to fill out all of this paperwork so that they actually have an income? Because he's not doing it. And and so I can just, you know, you're, you see them sitting down at the table together and she's like, all right, what do I put here? And he's trying to vocalize how to explain to her this, but he can't find the words or if he can, he can't actually pronounce them. And, you know, she's trying to figure out how they can have money to eat. I, it's, you know, obviously not in this Interestingly, this yeah, you took, you took that out of what my head, because that was my next, next question. I assume, and I made this up. I do this when there's something I don't know if it's getting in the way of what I'm really looking for in the story. I make up my own own background. I decided she never says they don't have the money to buy diapers. She says they're almost out. And I thought, well, are they paying for that? And then I realized he must have surely had that disability check before her mother left because he was injured. And so then I thought, when they get to this, is she going to the bank or is there direct deposit? Is she using a debit card? Did someone at the grocery not wonder? But the fact I know there are kids out there in circumstances who are straight up, it doesn't sound like she was in a cozy, comfy, wonderful, like, storybook home before her mother left. No, no, no. And so she probably picked up on how to do that, which in addition to taking care of Pal means she's also taking care of all the adult responsibilities. Sure. I mean, you know, I... I wasn't some street smart kid, but when I was a kid, I would definitely go into a gas station and buy cigarettes for my parents and they would, you know, give a wave from the car. Not me. I was pretty protected. Plus, my town was so small. 
<laughs> the, everybody would have known and word would have been out all over. You know, they sent her to the grocery by herself. But we don't have any indication of whether this is a small town, a city. It doesn't. And, you know, ultimately. What I kept reminding myself last night, none of this matters. I'm focusing on the wrong thing. What matters is the unconditional love, the kindness of the social worker and the police, and the hope that both of them will end up in a better place. I mean, eventually, because he was getting bed sores, eventually she was going to have to get medical help because he would end up with a wound and being septic and, you know, she would have had to get help from someone. So I was thinking, well, this will get him in a place where they're looking out for him. You know, it's, yes, eventually this this is good timing that, that this happened. And I, I considered Again, going back to the screenplay, in the screenplay, it's very clear that Evander has gone home and told his mother, and his mother has contacted this social worker to come check out the house. That's not in the story, and I left it out on purpose um, because I thought people could make their own connections, you know, that, and that... Um, kid selena wouldn't necessarily know that as a fact and so wouldn't bring it up but i hope that people get that that's why we even have the story of evander in there is as a as a foil you know for what childhood is for you know to 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 compare to 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 kid but also to show oh this happened because this happened this kid comes over sees that this is not normal and then then what randomly the next day social workers show up because it, if he lives that close some someone must have noticed the mother was never seen again yeah. but sometimes if you're not paying attention and you're not looking at your neighbors you don't know right you don't know what happened uh, so yeah, it had to be, and that's not a bad thing. If I had a child and he came home and said, you know, what was happening next door, I would call social services thinking I was doing the best thing for all concerned. Right. And, you know, as a, as a teacher, um, you know, we were mandatory reporters and I can remember several times thinking, uh, do I need to call someone about this kid? Like this seems, you know, gosh, remember, remember reading stuff in portfolios where you, we had red flags and had, had to like go check with someone. Is this, this seems weird. This seems like something illegal is happening. And asking the guidance counselors, do you know about this? Yeah. And in the early days of the place we taught, Everyone knew everyone. It was very community oriented. And so most of the time they were like, yeah, we know. Yeah. Uh, in my experience, most of the time. 
And sometimes before I told anyone, I talked to the student in conferences, and I'm sure you did too, and just casually said, is this fictional or is this based on true experience? Mm -hmm. And mostly kids would tell you. Yeah, they'll tell the English teacher. Tell the English teacher, I always say, and this is a terrible thought, but I have it all the time, in school shootings, frequently, it is the English teacher who is targeted and shot. And if you start noticing, it's frequently the English teacher in high school, school shootings. And I've always thought it was because the English teacher knew too much mm-hmm. that the student the student felt like that person had either hit the hot buttons or tried to help. And so that was, or that was the person who was most likely to let them in the door. Yeah, I think about that often. That's what I love about your stories. I think I know, and then I don't. And then I'll be thinking about them all day, the parts I missed and weaving them into the parts that I understood. It's a good story about society. And by good, I don't mean well-written. It is well-written. But it's a, a story about society that reminds us that not everybody in the world is evil and out to get everybody else. Mm-hmm. And we need that. That's a nice note to end on. This is the perfect time for you to click on the stars and rate the podcast a five. Please. Write a review. Tell others how much you love it. Click the share button. Send it to a friend. You can learn more about the podcast and read past and future episodes on our website, ablindplaypodcast.com or themauhouse.com. It's really the same website.